Welcome to the Queer Spirituality Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Crossenhill. This podcast is about an idea. It's the radical idea that queerness is a gift and that the divine celebrates it rather than merely accepts it. We'll explore the special role that queer people are meant to play in the coming spiritual awakening. Through the lives and stories of queer people, we'll explore the many ways of approaching the divine and how the sacred reveals itself in everyday actions. Most of all, this is a podcast about love. It's about the love of the universe. It's about love between people. And it's about the love a community can share with one another. Thank you for joining me. Welcome to this episode of the Queer Spirituality Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Crossenhill, and with me, I have special guest, Will Fisher. Will Fisher is best known as the host of the Queerly Beloved Podcast and as the founder of his life coaching business, Willfully Living. Currently residing in sunny San Diego, Will offers healing and transformation work through one-on-one coaching, classes, and in-person retreats. Prior to his time in San Diego, Will lived on the East Coast, where he received his MA in Applied Theater from City University of New York and founded a company called Man Question, which offers theater-based facilitation to help folks explore their relationship to masculinity and manhood. His final acts before leaving the East Coast included serving as the executive director of Easton Mountain, an LGBTQ spiritual retreat center, and performing his solo show, off and on again, a story about his relationship with gender and his drag alter ego, Sylvia London. Welcome to the show, Will. Thank you so much, Julian. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. So one of the things I always like to start the show with is I like to ask my guests, what does queer spirituality mean to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, such a important and exciting question. I think that The interesting thing about those two words together is that they actually have so much in common, Spirituality to me is about the divinity in all that is. And queerness also is this invitation to welcome in all that is, right? We're, We're able to embrace that which is outside of the norm. And so I love bringing sort of the, the welcoming of all that is from a, a queer, from a, a more uh, physical plane, and then into the all that is in the spiritual realm. And so it, it just becomes this sort of celebration of, of all that is, the divinity of all that is. Uh, and so I, I think that's that's what excites me about those two words together the most. Um, and then I think to get more specific, I think queer spirituality does start to invite us into some of the ways that queer culture and queer folks have contributed and some of the themes and areas of focus that come from queer queer folks and seeing that through a, a spiritual lens. So to me, that looks like exploring and experiencing spirituality through the body. Uh, it looks like bringing more energy and attention to creative expression. 
Um, it, it looks like redefining how we get to be in our relationship with spirit outside of the conformity that society has taught us uh, we should be with spirit. So those are just a few of my initial thoughts on that topic. Yeah, those are great. And I love that you bring the take the words and kind of bring that all that isness to mm. it. And some of my other guests have talked about the liminality of spirituality and queerness and how they kind of fit together as well. So mm. I think that's really interesting hearing how different people sort of piece that together. So mm. tell us a little bit about your own spir spiritual journey and how you sort of arrived where you are. Mm. So I'd say I've been on a spiritual journey since birth, as I my take is that we all are on it. And I actually became fairly interested in it, you know, even as a child, even though I didn't grow up in a spiritual household, um, I just identified with different texts that I would come across. I remember reading The Prophet at a very young age. I remember connecting with the Mormons uh, who lived next door and being really lit up about going to their church and learning about some of their ideas. Um, and then, you know, coming of age and realizing that I was gay made me feel like I needed to reject some of the understanding that I had of spirituality and its association with religion. And so I took sort of a, a, a pause and then it wasn't until I connected with the radical fairies when I was living in New York City, where I started to open up to a new possibility of spirituality, which was coming from this queer perspective and giving spaciousness for folks of all backgrounds and all theologies and beliefs to connect to this thing that's greater than us. Uh, and so it, it was in, you know, ritual space and sort of earth-based spirituality that I sort of circled back and started reconnecting with my, uh, I'm, I'm part Wasage, Osage Native American. So started learning about that part of me and started to, you know, really explore tantric work and, and started, you know, my, my, my eyes just opened up to all this type of spirituality that was not religious based and just got super excited and, and lit up about that. And then, you know, I ended up finding my way to Easton Mountain, which I later ran. I, was, I later became the executive director. When I started there, I was just kind of on the spiritual journey and started to learn from, you know, sh shamanic practices and Reiki practices. And like I said, tantric teachers came through and channelers. And so that really opened my eyes. And then I would say more recently, plant medicine has has really taken what was already expanding out and kind of propelled it even more into the ethers. And so my relationship with the plant teachers has really brought me in deeper connection with with spirit. Um, yeah, that's those are some of the thoughts that I have on it. Lovely. That's it's quite a journey, and it sounds very mm. similar to my own. I grew up in a very unspiritual, unreligious home, but mm. I was always really drawn to nature in particular as sort of a manifestation of the divine, which, mm. you know, once I hit high school, sort of discovered the the nature-based and earth-based religions and, and kind of went that way. But what a gift the radical fairies have been to, to queer people. Like, honestly, mm. I've known so many of them and um, they're just such a, such a delight to be around and such, such a joy. So 
Mm, yeah, I, I'm super grateful for the fairies as well. And yeah, I mean, I feel like I was one type of gay and then I met the fairies and I became a whole different type of gay. <laughs> I became, I really <laughs> went from gay to queer actually as a result of my experience with the fairies and and my, my the way I expressed myself changed and the way I related with people changed and the way I related with nature changed. I, I mean, it was a, a real game changer moment for me. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, I, I ran the Between the Worlds um, men's gathering for, for 10 years. I was mm. one of the co-founders and it's a cool. large earth-based uh, earth spirituality festival that for gay and by men that's held in Ohio. Mm. And we had a lot of radical fairies come through and, you know, I started that, that group and I, I started that festival when I was in my early thirties and I had very defined ideas of what it meant to be a gay man. And mm. just the experience of being exposed to so many different people and their paths and how they express their, their gender and their identity really like I, I became a different kind of gay too. Um, mm, so cool. yeah, definitely. So very cool. Um, so I saw on Facebook that you just finished a retreat. And so tell tell us a little bit about the retreat that you just wrapped up. Yeah, sure. I'd love to. So I hosted a retreat for 11 men uh, in Idlewild, California, in the, in the mountains uh, here in, in California. And the focus of the retreat was heart opening. And so it was an opportunity for this group of men who, for the most part, had never met before of very many of, of many different ages, many different uh, origins, you know, nationalities, um, different levels of comfort with their, their sexuality, some who had recently come out, some who'd been gay for many, many years from all over the country came together and were invited into this heart space. Um, and so what that looked like was figuring out what was getting in the way of us opening our hearts and finding ways to release that and, you know, trying on vulnerability, you know, and, and trying that with these, these men who received each other so well and so beautifully. And we, in opening our hearts, created this beautiful flow of love and that beautiful flow of love created this, energy in the room that that also allowed us and and propelled us into sharing our gifts and it was a beautiful experiment um you know there was no drinking and no sex no drugs um and it was just a very pure container uh that was very healing and created some profound transformations yeah definitely and it, yeah when you take the alcohol out and, and mm -hmm. all of and the drugs and everything and get so that people just can connect without and, and be vulnerable without substances allowing, mm -hmm. like dropping the inhibitions and making that vulnerability. It's really, mm -hmm. it, it's really powerful. So it sounds like it was a fantastic time. Um, and it's, and it's really needed. I, a lot mm -hmm. of us have walls that we put up in the community and we don't always connect or, or vibe with each other in the community as much as maybe we would like to. So mm. I think, I think it's important work. So will there, will you be doing this retreat again or are you onto something different? Yeah, absolutely. And, and just to touch quickly on what you said about us breaking down our walls and connecting. Yeah. That, that's such an important piece. And what, what I found is that the folks were, 
able to quickly, not quickly, but they were able to fairly quickly um, create that connection between each other. And then it was actually from there, we graduated and connect to connection to self. And in planning it, I thought it'd be the opposite, but that's actually was the deeper work was looking at self-love and, and with this connection that we'd made with this, in this brotherhood, we were able to be with that question and support each other in tapping in and cultivating a deeper sense of love for self. Um, and that's where a lot of the most profound healing happened. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I'll be hosting a retreat by that same theme in uh, 2024, probably in the early uh, months of 24 at Easton Mountain at the retreat center I used to run. And I'll definitely be doing it again in California uh, next summer. So yeah, it's it's definitely going to stay alive and, and perhaps more than that. But I, it was one of those moments where I recognize that all my life's experiences had prepared me to stand and hold space in that circle and to lead those men. And so when you have those moments, yeah, you want to keep doing it. <laughs> you want to yeah. do it some more, you know, you want to yeah, offer those definitely. gifts, those big gifts. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and it is, it is kind of that moment when you're holding space and you realize everything that you've done before kind of brought you to that place. I'm, I'm leading a retreat this, this October Mm. Uh, in Indiana. And, you know, my experiences running between the worlds and the different things that I've done, mm. I, I feel have kind of prepared me to do that. And I think retreats are are, are really important. So I, I know that you're a big fan of retreats, obviously, having worked with Easton Mountain, and you're doing retreats yourself. So what is it about retreats that, you know, for people who maybe haven't done a retreat, or aren't sure that they want to do a retreat? What is it about retreats that that happens or can happen at a retreat that that you don't get in other other modalities. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and you know this retreat I did in Idlewild was a group retreat, and and that's a certain medicine, right? When you when you come together with a group and a small group, and then a big group is a different kind of medicine, right? Something that I offer more regularly, I just offered one this past weekend, is my one-on-one -on -one personal retreats, and that has its own unique medicine. But what is co a common thread for all of them is this mm, this movement away from your default settings. So you are no longer in the comforts of your home, you know, where you might be zooming, because um, I do work with a lot of folks on zoom, but this is outside of that, and you're in this new setting. And so immediately that creates a, a helpful imbalance, um, where you are more open, and more aware, and you can try on new ways of being. Um, and so I, I feel like that is a big piece of it is, is getting out of your typical space and into this new space, which ideally has a lot of nature, has a lot of softness and spaciousness and comfort to support the nervous system to regulate and, and drop in and feel safe and secure to then reveal the things that want to be revealed and release the things that want to be released and start stepping into more fullness of yourself. Um, so yeah, th th those are some of the thoughts. Um, the other piece I think is it, sometimes it's also the pressure cooker piece, right? It's like, because you're not in your, your space, there's something, um, less comfortable, you know, even it might be the most comfortable bed and all those things, but it's different, right? Or you're with a group of men that you've never met before. So you are simply by 
being out of your default settings already touching the edge of your comfort zone. And so much of the work I imagine that that you and I both do is about supporting people to find the courage to tap that growth edge and to get past it and out of their comfort zone in order to experience and discover parts of themselves that they don't usually have access to. So I think retreats really serve for that purpose as well. Yeah, I would totally agree. When when I started doing, you know, when we did Between the Worlds, it was what, like 10, 15 years ago. It was a long time ago, actually more like 20 now that I'm kind of dating myself. But, um, and where we did it, it was a camping retreat. And where we did it, there wasn't really even cell phone service. And Mm. so people had to unplug. And I think that is also the really powerful part about a retreat is you don't have your daily routine and your schedule anymore. Mm -hmm. And you don't have you don't have the phones going off because hopefully you've stashed them in your room and you're going to different mm-hmm. activities and things and you're not you're not on the clock you're not like mm-hmm. doing that going through the the routine that you have and it really sort of puts you in this sort of liminal space where you can really discover a lot about yourselves about yourself and i love that you mentioned at your retreat how that connecting with each other came first and then connecting with self, because it's a really interesting um, dynamic that happens with that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning the distractions piece. That is such an important part that so many of us are so caught up in the distractions that lead our lives and to have time that is dedicated to actually taking that inward look to go inside and see how you're doing and see what's working and see what's not working and see what has room for change and for growth. It's so precious and it's something that so few people take advantage of. So that that in itself is so valuable to leave the distractions behind and to have that intentional space to look inward. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I, I, I'm one of those people that has a smartphone that's always going off. And mm-hmm. so I, I personally appreciate the opportunity to ditch the ditch the phone and the distractions. Mm-hmm. So nice. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so with your retreats, Tell us a little bit about the one-on-one treats, w- retreats. What happens at a one-on-one retreat and, and why would someone need or want a one-on-one retreat? Yeah, you know, it's something that I've started offering more recently and I just get to play with all of my tools in my tool belt, which is really fun for me. Um, so, you know, I, I'm a coach and I do a lot of coaching online, but when I'm in these spaces, when people come to my space, I'm able to use shamanic practices and breath work and Reiki and, uh, movement and, uh, drama therapy and singing and, you know, all the different, uh, ritual, uh, you know, a lot of times I take people into the ocean or if they need it, I take them to like a hot yoga class or things that are, that they don't normally do in their day to day, but they get an opportunity to find out that they are capable of some of these things. Um, so yeah, a big part of it is just having this wider breadth of modalities of healing and personal growth that I get to offer in that space. But what I find is that 
it just propels the healing and transformation path in such a dramatic way. So I love doing it. If I'm working with a client for a while, I love doing it at the start of their program. And then we just like have a really big head start. This last weekend though, is funnily, it, it didn't work out date time-wise until the very end. And so it was interesting because the person had so much self-awareness because we'd been doing months of work, but he was still struggling to put it into practice. And so a lot of our time together was about helping him cultivate discipline, helping him become more comfort with pushing his comfort zone and helping him be more in action. So it, it really depends on what work is needed, but it just, it, 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 for me, I am able to see that that work can go deep and that work can have a big impact. Yeah, definitely. I de definitely that sort of, it's almost like a VIP intensive with a, with yes. a coach, but like yeah. extended even longer, which is really yeah. great. And I, I love that about being able to use all the modalities because I think, you know, the pandemic came along and so many of us went to coaching online and doing mm -hmm. this work online. And it was great because it gave us a, a much wider audience, but yeah. we kind of lost some things too, because mm. we can't have some of those experiences or mm -hmm. do the, some of the work with our clients that we would do in person. And mm -hmm. so it's kind of, there's definitely a trade-off there. That's really interesting. I I've been doing more in-person things and teaching in person again, and cool. I, I realized how much I missed it. So I'm mm. doing, you know trying to make more space to, to meet with people in person. So yeah, um, that's really, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, it, it's such a different experience, um, mm. doing it in person. Mm. Yeah. So, so you mentioned that you're a coach, what are some of the things that you help your clients achieve through your coaching? Yeah. So a lot of the work that I do is supporting people to find the courage to really connect with their truth, to connect with their true calling, their, their purpose, their, um, mm, to, to look at the things that are getting in the way of them really stepping into the full, their fullness of, of self-expression. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it depends on where the client is on that journey. Um, you know, sometimes it's, it's supporting them to take baby steps, to just regulate and to have the world occur as less stressful and anxiety provoking. And sometimes it's, it's, bigger than that, you know, it's helping them really go after these big dreams, these big passion projects that they've got burning in their hearts, right, but need some support in tapping into the truth of who they are, so that they can move forward in big, bold ways towards those big dreams. Um, yeah, and then I also do a fair amount of executive coaching, too, which is interesting, because it's it is more focused on, you know, executive presence and leadership styles. And yet I find that even with those sessions, they go into deep personal places as well. And so it all is leading us to the same thing, you know, like <laughs> building a business for me has been a huge experience of personal growth and, and self-development and self-exploration and connecting with spirit and having faith in spirit and trusting myself and trusting spirit. So yeah, it's everything in life is an opportunity for our growth and expansion. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I know I've, I've had a lot of those growth experiences in building my business as well. So mm. it's definitely, and I just was talking to a, to another coach who was saying the same thing. So that's mm. really interesting. 
and you do, you, you kind of come to this work. And at first, maybe some of us have imposter syndrome and we kind of feel like, I don't know if I can help people through this. I'm still figuring my own shit out. Right. And mm -hmm. then, and then we, something just sort of magical happens. Spirit sort of shows us how we had all of that inside of us all along and we're just mm -hmm. able to, to move forward. So it's really an interesting challenge and opportunity there. So speaking yeah. of challenges and opportunities, what do you think the biggest challenges and opportunities for the LGBTQ community are currently? What are the biggest challenges and opportunities for the LGBTQ community? Um, yeah, let me think on that. Hmm. I mean, I'm I'm aware of you know the the more recent stuff that's been going on with with drag queens under attack and as someone who is a big fan of drag who does drag myself that that really got under my skin um and i think what it represented to me was this new threat that we have posed as we've come more and more into our power not just drag queens but the entire queer community that as we have become so accepted by mainstream society and celebrated in so many ways that those who are afraid of us have felt this need to create this major backlash against our rise into greater power, greater expression of ourselves. Um, and so I think that's what we're being met with right now is these really scared people who are doing anything they can to stop this momentum that's already happening, that's too late to stop. Um, and so I think that when you have really scared people trying really hard to stop something, that sometimes becomes really dangerous. Uh, and, and so, you know, I, I'd say that is in many ways, one of our biggest challenges is that we do have people who are potentially going to attack us and who you know are already attacking us and so how do we how do we how how can we be with those those attacks in a good way you know and i think that's still something for us to figure out is how how do we how do we fight back in a way that's true to our ethos and our moral compass i think that's a a, a challenge that could create a lot of growth as well yeah, definitely. I think so. And I think I, I think a lot of that, you mentioned us coming into our power and more mainstream, but I also think it's about queer people aren't willing to be silent or invisible mm -hmm. anymore. And mm -hmm. that really terrifies some people that we won't mm -hmm. just stay in the closet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I, I interviewed Don Kilhefner and really he brought to my attention some of the passivity that has come amongst the LGBTQ community and amongst everyone in a way that because of consumerism and because of because we live in this capitalist society, there's a, a bit more of a detachment to the cause. And so we almost feel like we outsource the work to these nonprofits or to these politicians instead of back in the day where gay people would really show up and be out on the streets demanding their rights, that this infliction of consumerism and capitalism and you know colonialism, that that has made us less of a player in our own movement towards 
full acceptance and equality. And so that's something I just want to touch on too, is I think it's an important thing for us to start to look at and figure out how, not necessarily going back to the old ways of how we would stand up for ourselves, because there must be a more evolved way, I imagine, because everything's evolving, but that it can't just be us watching on, on, you know, Facebook and maybe commenting here and there, like, how do we take a more active role in what is a fight, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, I came out in the eighties during AIDS and HIV mm -hmm. and the, just the, how widespread it was. And there definitely was a lot more activism as you know, coming out into that culture everyone was talking about protests and activism and, and what do we do and how do we stand up and now there is that sort of complacency and there's also disturbingly kind of this attitude sometimes among in particular white gay men that well you know i'm mainstream so mm. we don't have to worry about the rest of the community and yeah. and so we kind of also sometimes forget our privilege and mm -hmm. so I'm glad that you sort of mentioned that. Mm, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So um, wonderful. Well, what, as we're sort of winding down our, our time together, I'm, I'm curious what sort of parting words of wisdom or, or what advice would you give to listeners about, you know, just about doing this work and really, getting in touch with who they are and, and sort of owning that since that is the work that you do. Mm, yeah. I mean, I think what I'm present to, especially in the wake of the retreat, the hearts alive retreat is the power of connecting to the heart and to know that most of us, because of things that have happened in our lives have inadvertently closed our hearts and we keep them closed because we think that's the safest way to walk through the world. And perhaps it is, and perhaps it's not the best way to walk through the world. And perhaps there is a way to walk through the world with more of an open heart, with more vulnerability in a way that is still safe. And so to, to, to bring some curiosity to that, you know, how open or closed is my heart and what could I do to help it become a little more open? What could I do to feel safe to open it a little more and to invite that opportunity, that possibility in and see if the love starts flowing? Because when it does, when we do find those ways to open our hearts and, and access that love flow, so much is possible, so much healing and so much growth and so much expression and so much energy. And so, yeah, that's, that's what I would like to leave folks with is see what courage you can muster to open your heart a little more. Something that one of my teachers, Joe Weston taught me was to upgrade our, our switch from a, from a, our heart is closed or our heart is open, you know, like an on off switch to a dimmer switch. And so in every moment it's like, well, how open can I bring this dimmer switch up, you know? And then to to test that out and, and see how that feels. Yeah, that's a great analogy of the dimmer switch. Uh, that, mm. that one will stay with me for a while, I think. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. thank you for Helpful. that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So how do people um, learn about your retreats, follow you, keep up with what you're doing? 
Yeah, sure. So yeah, my website, uh, wil-fullyliving.com. So willfully living. Um, and then my, my podcast is Queerly Beloved. And yeah, I'd love to connect with folks. I'm grateful to connect with you. I love that we both are talking about this stuff. I think more people need to be talking about it. And so, you know, it's a total pleasure to have these like-minded minds and hearts come together. So thank you for, for this time. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad that we were able to make this time and and have this conversation. So thank you for being here and, and for the work that you're doing, because this is important mm. work. Yeah, you as well. Thank you, Julian. Thank you for listening. This has been the Career Spirituality Podcast with Julian Crossan Hill. If you enjoyed this show, please consider leaving a rating on whatever site you get your podcasts at. Rating the show allows other people to discover it and be exposed to these ideas around queer spirituality. You can also find my blog and past episodes of this podcast at www.queerspirituality.net. That's www. .queerspirituality.net. You can also there find links to the Queer Spirituality Facebook group, my various social channels where you can get involved in the discussion or send me your feedback or questions or things you'd like to hear on the show. Thank you again for listening and for your support. Bright blessings.